0: Good morning. We are observing Advent and we are entering our second week. Last week we began our observation of Advent by lighting the first candle which represents hope. That hope is really inspired by this week's emphasis and that second candle representing love. The reason we use a candle at this time of season is because the light shone in the darkness. Because that darkness had been lasting for centuries. You see, these were a people who had been plagued with going through the religious motions. They had kind of lost any hope, any hope that God, the one that they had studied in their heritage, would ever intervene, ever speak to them. And it had been over 700 years since they'd been told that God would show up in their midst, that the Emmanuel prophecy was given. Now 400 years that the people have yet to hear a sermon where God spoke directly a word for them. Let me ask you a question. With that complacency drawing as a background for our like the entrance of Jesus into the world, the Savior of the world, breaking that silence and changing the world forever. Let me ask you this. How many of us today in America, in the church in America, have ever grown a little complacent? How many of us have ever been a little tired, maybe a little bored with the rigor and the routine? Maybe we too have been going through the motions just a bit. I was thinking on this as we were preparing for this week, and I thought about the lyrics of a a song that I really love by Cody Carnes called Nothing Else. He says... I'm sorry for when I just go through the motions. I'm sorry that I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. See, that's what really happened as Zechariah emerged from the temple that day, unable to speak. The people knew, they could tell that God was stirring. God had done something, and He was about to do something in their midst. They anticipated it now. And here's the question, church, this morning. Do you anticipate the move of God? Do you anticipate? Do you know that God has a word for you? Do you know that God is moving in your midst and wants to stir in your mind and heart even right now? Cody goes on and that lyric continues. It says this. I'm sorry when I've forgotten that you are enough. Church, this morning, I don't want to forget that God is enough, and the reason that we gather at this time, and the reason this story is so very important, is because when we could not save ourselves, God came himself. Love entered the world, and he showed us unconditional love like we had never experienced. He loved you, and he thought very highly of you, so he came to show you. This morning, I want to pick up right where we left off last week, and we're going we're gonna to see how much God loved a woman named Mary, a little girl, really, a teenager, and how highly he thought of her. It says this in Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. You will conceive, and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. <laughs> How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born shall be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, her response in so important, church. We need to hear it today. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. She immediately leaves to go meet with Elizabeth, her cousin, to help usher in who would be the forerunner, John the Baptist. We talked about that last week. And in verse 45, upon entering her house, Elizabeth speaks these words to Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This morning, I want to start. How many of you know or have heard that old saying that love will make you do crazy things? You know, I want you to look at those who came with today, maybe your family, maybe your friends. I want you to look at them and go, you are a testimony to the fact that love will make me do crazy things. Amen. And then if that was just spoken to you, I want you to turn and look at them and say, you have no idea how crazy I am. (laughs) Amen. Here it is. Truth is this. First point, love conquers. There's a ton of reason for fear and circumstance that brought fear in the life of Mary here. There's a ton that she is up against. Mary's love and devotion to God in this moment overcomes her fears. Deuteronomy 22 tells us that because of this scenario, she was, she was lawfully required to be dragged out to the city gate and stoned to death with whoever had impregnated her publicly to make a mockery if it be the desire of the one she's betrothed to to publicly disgrace her the law required that she be drug out to the city gate and stoned to death for having broken that covenant for being unfaithful per the law she faced public disgrace her her family disowning her and lawful death it's no easy decision She is up against a ton, and her obedience requires a lot of personal sacrifice, and it's going to cost her reputation. It could cost her respect. You see, the only way that someone would ever agree to a calling such as this is if that person had an even deeper sense, something that comes from within, that they were being honored and loved by God, chosen to play a role in this way. The benefit, way overshadowing, outweighing the seasonal discomfort that she may walk through. See, she's playing a role to bring eternal reward by way of her own temporal suffering. How many of you have ever had to suffer temporally to bring reward to someone else? The truth of this moment What Gabriel is saying to her, the reality that she of all women was chosen on the planet to play this role. God loved her and chose her to play this very significant role in bringing about his plan. The comfort she finds is that God not only sees her, but that he has intended to utilize her in something that doesn't just help her, it helps the world eternally. This truth, I need you to hear me. This truth, this reality, this whole moment brings more conviction to say yes than the fears do of circumstance to say no. How many of you ever found yourself weighing the circumstances and your own conviction? And how many of us, in our fear, have said no to God because the circumstances were just too great? We just had too much fear in that moment to do what God asked us to. It was illogical. It didn't make sense. We justified it. Talked ourselves out of obedience. Yeah. Here's the thing. Her conviction about what God was doing, there was a stirring in her mind and heart. Something was happening that beckoned her yes over her no. Mary had a love for God that exceeded her love for man. She had a fear of God that exceeded her fear of what man would do. And see, so love conquers her fears fear can be crippling how many of you have experienced that how many of you know that bitterness can corrode you've experienced that allow bitterness to get in and it bigs a huge divide how many of you have recognized that hurt can confuse you see love conquers And it compels this girl beyond her fears, beyond her bitterness, beyond her rage, beyond her hurt. Love compels, true love, the love of God compels us beyond our fear, beyond our hurt, beyond our anger, beyond our bitterness. If we'll allow it to, even right now in this moment, we'll allow it to take the places in our heart that maybe we have turned away from God because they are... Long-standing hurts. Maybe they are long-standing bitterness. Maybe it's long-standing fear. And we will allow him to come in and perform surgery and do a work to right what we've allowed to go wrong and dead. You see, in her, she had something going on inside. I need you to catch that. Something might be happening right now, even with you, making you aware of things that have held you down or kept you back from having true, loving relationship, God intended, because you've allowed a hurt, a hurt, to fester, you've allowed a bitterness to corrode, you've allowed a fear to cripple you, and maybe even the relationships around you, maybe it's effectiveness. You see, the love that she knew God had for her conquered this in her life, and it compelled her. It compelled her to walk this very lonely road by her yes to usher the kingdom of God. See, the truth is, though, her yes, though it was her individual response, and we all, we all have an individual response that we have to give to God. We only get one yes, if it were. We all have an individual response to God because we've heard for our whole lives that this is a personal relationship. Here's where I want to say that it has weight, where it matters. Her yes affected the world. Your yes affects the world around you. Hello? And so our "no" consequently also affects. Though we have an individual response, God tugs at our heart, starts to move in our minds. We have to respond to Him individually. There is corporate effect. So here's the truth: she wasn't alone. There's another part of this. She's been betrothed to someone, someone that she has promised her life to. in their day, they were married. They were under a contractual agreement. Though they have not taken their public vow, the entire year prior to that public vow, he was working, he was doing things, intending setting up their marriage. And there was gonna be something that would happen the entire year after that wedding vow. And they were to consummate their union at said wedding. But in this scenario, all that gets taken from him, in this moment, all of this goes, gets thrown up. And we need to see how Joseph individually responds to all of this. Matthew 1, verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. As Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, which was his right. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It said, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, and listen to this, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. She gave him, and he gave him the name Jesus. That portion right there, I want to just highlight for a second before we move on to what's going on here. It says that he did exactly the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. What that means is it sped up the process for them. What he ended up doing was taking her as his wife, taking that vow. And though it was expected in a Jewish wedding for them to consummate their union, literally come together physically before they ever went and celebrated their wedding there in the moment, that waited, he had to wait on that. That consummation didn't happen until after their firstborn had come into the world, the savior of the world. But he went ahead and made a promise and made that vow publicly, and they went ahead and got married. And so the question of how she got pregnant and when she came in the world starts to go away for them logically because these two are now married, and nine months later comes a child. Hello? Okay. So for all those who are going, how's this work, math? It doesn't make sense. That's it. Okay, so Joseph's first response is rather natural. How many of you would be offended, be hurt, feel betrayed when your woman comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, but I, I, it wasn't by another man. It's God's child. That had happened like 10 times before, so I don't know why he didn't just accept that, right? How many of you think this would be a little difficult to swallow? Okay, so Joseph's first response is rather natural, and the beauty of his response is this. Still loving and kind He had every right to lawfully have her drug out for disgracing his name and breaking a covenant to him, having her stoned to death at the city gate as a public spectacle of what not to do in the law. And here's what he does. He is so loving and kind and understandable that he didn't believe her. Yet, before the angel shows up, he didn't believe her. Like you and I wouldn't believe her, but he decided to divorce her privately. He's going to go through the motions. He's going to act like everything is normal, and he's going to divorce her quietly as to not call for public disgrace and death, which the law required. He was going to let her live. So here's the thing. He is going to break his covenant agreement to her because she, in his mind, broke it first before the angel confirms what's going on. This true love that he has for her compels him beyond the natural. That's the second point. Love compels us. Love conquers our fears, our circumstances, but it compels us to do things. Changes our thoughts, changes our mindset, changes our perspective on the matter. Gives us gods, It leads us, compels us to action and obedience in his steps. Even when those steps seem illogical. Joseph's love for God compelled his obedience. Joseph was a righteous man. He had to have been because after talking to the angel, it says he immediately did what God asked him to. He immediately steps in. Like that affirmed, even though naturally he was like, I- I'm struggling with this and I don't want her to die. I'm ashamed. I'm so deeply ashamed, but not for myself, for her. Because of the way the world will turn their back on this woman, the way that she has hurt me, and so he lovingly and selflessly decides to put her away silently and love her, even though he, has been, he feels betrayed, hurt, and left, left in despair. But then God shows up, affirms everything that she has told, and then he steps into this mess and joins God in what he's doing. Joseph wakes up and did exactly as God commanded. If anyone has cause for speculation... A feeling of deceit. Room for the enemy to cause some serious doubt. I think it's Joseph. Hello? He too is going to face public ridicule, disgrace, disavowment. But this address that God gives him in this passage, we cannot understate it in Matthew 1. This address that Gabriel speaks to Joseph and gives him the affirmation that something larger is happening, not only in your mind and heart right now, but in the scope of eternity on the face of the earth. He says, Joseph, son of David. Why is that important? Because they knew that the promised Emmanuel, God with us, they knew that the Messiah they'd awaited would come through the Davidic line. Joseph was of that Davidic line. In their society... It was the man's name, his lineage, his, his, his work ethic. Um, it was his job. All of this would be passed to the child. They asked the father to name the child. This was his right and his role. So in society, in their day and in many societies today across the globe, children gain their value by what their father says of them. I need you to hear that again. Children gain their value by the father who names them, passes on the family business, the heritage, the history, the lineage. Though he was not Joseph's blood relative, Jesus, son of God, didn't have Joseph's blood flowing in his veins. Jesus found his right and place in society because his father Joseph was his covering. And his father gave him that value. Does it make sense? He found his place in society through his father's lineage, making him the fulfillment of the Messianic Messianic promise, the Davidic line. Now, Mary had a practical role to play in this. Joseph now has a practical role to play in this. He is passing along his lineage on which Jesus will have his placement in society, and his definition as a human. There's an important side that presents itself here that we, I want to hit on, and it's this. Love not only conquers fear and circumstance, not, love doesn't only compel us to do things and take on God's perspective and move to a place of obedience that may, may be beyond the logical. It also does something else. They were given to each other to walk this road together. Love builds community. True love builds community. Their love for one another together compelled them to usher in the Savior of the world. Joseph had a sincere love and devotion for Mary. This is evidenced by her desire to divorce her privately instead of publicly disgracing her. More importantly, these two were in covenant together, and that was something they took very seriously, and they chose to keep said covenant. Having each other's back, even if only each other, when the rest of the world might turn against them, this is the power of covenant given to us by God. It's a promise that each party holds up. We are in covenant relationship with God under the blood of Jesus, that He'll keep his end and we'll keep our end. In fact, in Galatians, or sorry, in Ephesians, it, it tells us that in Ephesians five that God likens His church and his relationship as bride to groom like he does the marital relationship that we see evidenced here, husband to wife. He looks at us in covenant relationship, his church, to himself through the blood of Jesus. And he also looks at us in covenant relationship to one another because we all have his spirit indwelling us for those who have called upon the name of Jesus for salvation and called him Lord. That, that decision made you move from death to life, child of wrath to child of God in the family of God. This is the power of Christian community. Whether in marriage or within the church. It means to live in covenant with one another under God. Being led by him together. Swimming against the current of our culture which does not receive the light. It's in darkness. We're called to sharpen one another. Encourage one another to forge ahead when things seem impossible or times get difficult. Let me ask you this How many of you are thankful for a strong spouse? How many of you are thankful for a strong best friend that saw something in you or saw a way through a circumstance that you yourself could not see? How many are thankful for someone who would encourage you and lift your arms when life gets a little heavy? How many of you are also thankful that someone loved you enough to be honest with you when you were acting the fool and spoke into you, this is not who you are. This may be old you, but this is not who you are. They come alongside and love you enough to be honest with you, loving, lovingly correcting you by his word, because that's, that's the way the church is supposed to lovingly correct one another. Amen? Amen. Is let the power and the counsel of word to do that within our hearts and minds. Because anyone who has his spirit, which inspired this very text, is going to find themselves yielding to that. I don't care about your opinions. Don't hold me accountable to your opinions. You can hold me accountable to his word. Hello? And you can use his word to lovingly encourage and correct. And help me grow. Listen, folks. The only way we grow is if we are willing to lift one another's arms, be held accountable to his word, to lovingly be honest with each other when we are acting the fool. This is how we grow. Otherwise, we, the church of Jesus, don't look more like the image of Jesus. It was prayed. John the Baptist prayed it. More of him, less of... Say it louder. More of him, less of... That's right. The only way we grow is when we lovingly allow people to lift our arms and lovingly allow them to speak and have license in our lives. We were designed for community. We were never designed to be islands unto ourselves. We were designed. He came. And that's what we're about to look at, to save us, that we might become his family, that he would bring us to himself, but he would also give us each other. We're intended not to do life alone, but to strive to grow in Christ together. Not in isolation. The world around us is darkened. They don't understand this. They only understand fighting for themselves. They only know to worship themselves. Even though they were created to worship, they only understand a world where they worship themselves. You and I were once this way. Followers of Jesus are going to constantly be swimming against the motive and the message of culture. Because it's darkened. but we need each other to do and advance the kingdom, to join God in His plan effectively. We like the very earthly parents of Jesus. Can you imagine the blessing? We're going to look at it. Here's the gift. This is the reward they get. Because they were willing to say yes to very difficult circumstances, they, lo- they allowed the faith and the love they have in God to cover their fear of circumstance and to conquer and compel them to join. Here's what they get to do. Can you imagine growing up in the house of Jesus? Can you, grow in, can you imagine the Son of God is running around your living room, and as His parents, you've been entrusted to rear Him in the way of God till He's old enough to take His place on the cross To die and to save all of humanity, but He gave you the opportunity to have the very presence of God in your household day in and day out. How many of you think that's a pretty amazing reward? How many of you recognize you have it? Because Jesus gave His life on the cross, and for anyone who's called upon His name for salvation, made Him Lord the very indwelling of his Holy Spirit comes into our life and we have that very presence with us wherever we go, even right now in this room where two or more are gathered. Listen, we have that and so they get to usher in the very presence of God every time. Every time they go somewhere, the marketplace, they're taking little Jesus with them. They're ushering the very presence of God amongst the people. They would go to a feast, a festival. They usher the very presence of God wherever they go. Church, that is your role. That is my role. We usher the very presence of God wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Reading on Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was uh, governor of Syria. And... Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to a town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Affirmation. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, I was expecting a child. While they were there, time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available. Them. It was foretold that the Savior of the world would come from a little, insignificant, barely a blip on the map town called Bethlehem. It was prophesied throughout their heritage. They knew to expect it, they knew to look for it from there. These people lived in Galilee and Nazareth. What would get them to go to Bethlehem that the Savior of the world be brought in to fulfill said prophecy? God would sovereignly move on the governor of that day and force a census that would force them by decree so the father could get back into his hometown where he is from and his son could be brought into the world through the lineage of David under the, the value of the father's title. Hello? Like this, you go, man, I don't know what's going to happen in the world I don't know what's going to happen with who's in control of the government. Listen, if God controlled the government now because he was sovereign then, he still does today because he's never changed. So can the church stop being afraid and start moving in love? Can the church start having a little faith and have the fears that have us held down and the circumstances that continue to beat us up, conquered and compel us to love like he loved us? Because here's the beauty of this. God's love for the world compelled him to send Jesus. And the third point that I want to make, and it's so important, is this. Love saves. That's why he came. He came to die for you and for me. Save us from sin and death. Save us to life abundant and life eternal. It wasn't that we would just have fire assurance. It was that we would have life right now purpose and identity, start to make sense of it all, that we could walk through life with a sense that we were created to worship, but we were never created to worship ourselves, but we were created to worship Him. Though the road to this point for this couple was incredibly difficult, it's hard to even put into words, Joseph and Mary willingly did it so that the entire earth could rejoice at the birth of this child. Church, I just said wherever you go, you usher the very presence of God with you. What is God calling you to do so that the whole earth can turn and rejoice because you were obedient to his plan for you? And you got to play a specific role in ushering the presence of God. You see, Jesus is God's answer to the world that loves and knows only to worship itself. He's the answer to a world that was designed to worship but was never meant to worship itself. See, this is the flesh that you and I fight against. It's the the flesh that rises up because in our old life, we had a tendency to want to fight to be right. In our old life, we wanted to fight for respect. In our old life, we wanted to fight for others to give us due praise, right? We were never designed for that. We were designed to give Him respect. We were designed that his name remembered. We were designed that he alone received praise from your life and from mine. Sin set that whole thing off course. He is the rightful king and in whom every single person in this room, every single person listening online gains freedom and experiences true love. The love we were intended before sin marred the world and broke the design of God's perfect plan. I'm going to ask you a question that I need you to think on right now. Really importantly. I know that you've probably not been asked this question a ton outside of me, but I'm going to ask it again. How many of you know you better than anyone else in this room? Thus, you know your tendency to worship yourself. Choose your way over his. And Jesus alone The plan that God had to right what we set wrong was created for him and by him coming completed. It was so that we could finally belong to him like he intended from the beginning, that we could be his family, not just for a moment, not just while we're here in the temporary, but forever. See, the, the power, listen, the power of the Advent story is that despite every single obstacle the world threw, love conquered. That despite all of it, love compelled. Despite everything that was holding the world down, love saves. And that God pressed into our broken story to heal and to right what we set wrong, and he didn't turn his back on us. He kept his promises to us, And he came and fixed what we could never fix ourselves. 1 John 4.10 says this, that this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It was his love for us that initiated our love for him and anybody else. His love for us compelled the father to do the unthinkable, send his only son and sacrifice him, that we might be called the family of God. How many of you... Shudder at the thought of having to give up your own child. It's his love for us that compels us to do whatever he asks, even when we think it unthinkable for us. Much like Mary, much like Joseph. Because like them, we know this is the... Everything you're facing right now, circumstantially, is momentary. And you know it. And you know that God has something that exceeds when this world will stop. There's a plan, it's eternal, and he's asked you and I to join him to play a role in it. It's our reward. John 3.16 said this, that for God so the Lord that gave his only son, that whosoever will believe in him not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that mean? He pressed into our mess for you. Like, I want to be really specific. He pressed into the mess that you see every day for you. And he came to love you, to heal you, to save you. This is the story of the Advent. This is the meaning of Christmas, that God came for you. To save you. Listen, from you. And how many of you are really cognizant of the fact that you needed to be saved from you? We were created to worship, never intended to worship ourselves. Here's the beauty. This morning, church, I want to speak to you specifically, and then I want to speak to someone else real quick. Church, he didn't leave us to do it by ourselves. Just like he gave Mary and Joseph a really hard road, he gave them each other to walk it. That they could join God, individually responding, but corporately bringing and ushering the presence of God. That the world around them that was darkened might have hope. As a fall of Christ, I'm going to ask you individually, do you press into the places that need his healing and love? Are you going to places that are darkened? Secondly, as his church, are we pressing into the places that are dark and need his love, need his healing, because we're trying to establish relationships together? We have a mission statement, but I want to know are we living it? Do we really believe that God changed our lives and has compelled us, left us as opportunity to usher that truth, that reality, that unconditional love to a world that just needs to know He loves them? Have you joined in that? I'm gonna tell you something. Here was this is let me let me, church, I'm gonna say a quick prayer for you right now. Every heart and mind that knows Jesus and knows that God is doing something bigger in this room right now within your heart, here's what I'm going to ask. It's a quick prayer. Close your eyes. It is this. Jesus, have your way with us right now. And we'll do whatever you ask. In your name, amen. The next person I'm speaking to is the person who's yet to know the truth of Jesus and his unconditional love and is yet to be known as his church, they can't pray the prayer that we just prayed. They've never responded for the first time. When I was 16, I was asked to walk into a church much like this and it was just to hold up my end of a bet. I walked in with every selfish intention. I was just keeping my end of the bargain. And that night, my life was confronted with selfless love in such a way That I couldn't deny that God loved me, was pursuing me, and wanted to save me. He wanted to conquer my fears. He wanted to conquer all my circumstances. He wanted to compel me to himself. And he wanted to save me from the life that I was leading and had been thrust into. This morning, whether you're listening online or you're in this room, here's what I want to tell you. God did the same thing for you. And that's the power of the Christmas story. That he came for you, Romans 3 says that all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God was eternal life through His Son, Jesus. John 3.16, I just read it, you know it. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that you would not perish but have everlasting life. Here's what He did, though. Romans 5.8, while you were still a sinner, someone who only not knew to worship yourself and seek self... He died for you, and he died for me. And Romans ten nine says, for anyone, anyone who would call out and declare with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, that he died on that cross and raised three days later for you and for me, he says, if you'll confess that, if you'll trust that, you will be saved. You'll be delivered from all of this life abundant now, and life abundant in eternity. So this morning, here it is. If you're at home, and you're watching this online, you go, that's the step I need to make. Let me encourage you. I'm gonna pray for you right now. I'm gonna pray for everyone in this room. But I want you to write me. I want you to email me this week. That's the step I'm making. That's what I need to do. You write me at prayeratthefellowship.cc. I will get back to you. I wanna walk with you. I wanna show you the steps that you can take next to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Prayer at thefellowship.cc. For this room, I want to ask you to close your eyes. In church, I'm going to ask you to pray. In this room, if you are here and you go, that's me, I want unconditional love. I've been living hell on earth. My life needs to start over. I want to know that my life can change. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to simply turn to him. That thing that's inside of you, that selfless love that is coming against you right now, that's compelling your mind and heart, that says, this is me, I want you just to respond to him and just say this, Father, I have lived for myself. I need your forgiveness. I want, because I was designed to, to live for you. I accept what Jesus has done on my behalf, trust it. I confess him as Lord. Today I desire your spirit come in my life because I want to be saved in the name of Jesus. As the band is coming back, church, I want you to continue to pray right now in this moment as we respond to him. Maybe there are fears in your life that need to be put down. Maybe there are relationships in your life that need to be righted maybe you just for those, that person who is listening here maybe you are trying to make that step for your entire life to change right now no matter how God is calling you to respond whether it's to be saved or to move further in your sanctification process church we're going to respond to him right now and here's what I'm going to do I'm gonna be right over here at this cross in a moment. I'm gonna be right here for anyone in this room that is calling on Jesus for salvation. You want to move from death to life, and you prayed that and you meant it. I would love to talk to you right now today. I'm not gonna talk to anyone else. Nobody else come to me except that person who says, I'm serious about this and I want to be saved. I'm gonna make myself solely available to you today. I'll be in a mask. I'd love to talk to you, I'd love to encourage you, I'd love to pray with you. But it's that person alone in church you be praying. Lord, we love you, we thank you. It's in your name we ask these things and respond to you. Amen.